hearts, Lord. Have our souls, Lord. Have our minds, Lord. We surrender everything before You. We surrender to You, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. More of You, more of You, more of You. Less of us. We love You, Lord Jesus. We thank You, Lord Jesus. We thank You that You first loved us. Receive our praises. Receive our praises. Receive our worship. Receive our adoration. We humble ourselves. We fall at Your feet. We focus on You, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, our only hope. Where would we be? Where would we be if it wasn't for You, Lord Jesus? Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Pastor Grace. you, Lord, that Jesus is the center of it all. Amen? Amen? So even if we don't have lyrics, it's about Jesus anyway, right? Amen. It's the heart that the Lord sees even as you worship. So this morning, I just want to uh, share something before we do the communion. Um, yesterday, we are in a worship uh, prayer meeting, and we are blessed with Pastor Cindy, who prayed a powerful prayer where she said, we are a choose, uh, choose persons where we are here. We choose to be here. Amen. We choose to, we have choices. We can choose to stay in our places where we can have, we can meet other people, but we choose to come here this morning and we choose to do that. And we are the per people who choose the Lord. Amen. And this morning I have this verse in Daniel 1 8. If you read that, if you open that Bible, your Bible, it says that the title of that phrase is Daniel's Resolve. And it connects well with what Pastor Cindy prayed yesterday, that as people of God, we have to have resolve. So I'll read that uh, verse. It says, But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile or taint or dishonor himself with the king's finest food with the wine which, which the king drank. So he said, I'll not drink that. He purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. That's what Daniel resolved. I will not drink all this food of the king. So this morning we are saying that we have a resolve. Lord, we are here to worship you. We, are, we will have a resolve that from this day on, we will just continue seeking the Lord, worshiping him in our life. We will have that resolve. Amen? And even as we take our communion, we are saying, Lord, we surrender our lives to you. We repent. Because in that verse, after that verse, it says, Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. So when we have resolved to go and just be faithful to the Lord, the Lord will just grant that favor and goodwill. And so even as we resolve to take that communion, we are saying to the Lord that, Lord, we receive you. We receive that power of the blood of Jesus. Because there's this song that was uh, written in the 1700s. It says, have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? 
are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? And are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? In the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb, are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? When the bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white? Will your soul be ready for His presence bright and be washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. And there's another song. This is again at the 1700s, like way, way back. Here is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that blood lose all their guilty stains. So sinners plunged beneath that blood and lose their guilty stains. Isn't that powerful? That nothing but the blood of Jesus. We're always saying, Lord, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So Lord, we thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being with us this morning. That even as we take this communion, Lord, we are washed by the blood of Jesus. And we ask that we come and repent whatever things that is not of, of the Lord, whatever things that we are going through that is not of the Lord, we surrender unto you, unto your feet this morning. Cleanse us, Lord, that we are worthy to receive this communion this morning. Father, we pray that as we partake of the bread and the wine in remembrance of the new covenant, which Jesus, our great high priest, mediated by the shedding of his blood at the cross, he was sacrificed once to take away our sins, and in him we receive the promised Holy Spirit who now lives in us. Lord, we pray that as we that you sanctify and bless this bread, which represents your body that's broken for us. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, we thank you. Lord, thank you that you also bless and sanctify this juice which represents your blood. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take the juice. Hallelujah, Lord, we bless you. We thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus that cleanses, heals, restores, Lord. We give you praise. I give you all the glory this morning. You are welcome, dear Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Grace. It's beautiful. Really beautiful. Just a couple of small announcements before we proceed to the Word today. Pastor Gary has a great word. I hope you're excited. <laughs> 
I hope you're ready to receive it. Hallelujah. So it's uh, only another couple of weeks now until we have uh, Brother Sadhu Selvaraj coming to minister at the, at the church on the 5th of February. So if you haven't yet registered uh, online and you're not sure how to do it online, please um, just come and fill out your details here. Uh, it'll be over at the resource table after the service just so that we can know who's coming um, there is limited seating and we are expecting um, a really, really big crowd on that day. So we don't want anyone to miss out. So if you can register, that would be amazing. And uh, yeah, I think that's all the announcements we have um, for now. Pastor Gary, are you ready to come? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's also some different forms over on the table. Uh, we do have a membership form like this, for those of you who have been coming for a while and would like to be a member, just fill out one of these forms. We know who's with us. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Thanks, Gary. Amen. Amen. That is working. Fantastic. Good morning, church. Good morning. So good to see some new faces. Welcome. Welcome. If you're you're visiting us today, we're a friendly church. We preach the Word of God. If someone's not friendly, let me know. I'll have a talk to them later and we'll pray for them. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Look at it outside. High tide, beautiful sunny day. And we're at church where we should be, celebrating our Lord, worshipping our Lord. Pastor Shane's happy about it. Praise God. Yeah, nothing will stop us. There's no words up on the screens this morning. You'll notice that. Those little technical demons are still playing with us. But, you know, when we started church, we didn't have the screens. When we started the church, there was myself and Pastor Amanda. She would lead worship and I would preach. That was it. That was the church. It's working. Not at the front here, it's not. But anyway, we're getting there. That's right. Who votes that Pastor Amanda should be our technical director? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Hey, here we go. We should start with the Lord's Prayer then, right? So let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. The reason we pray the Lord's Prayer is because this was Jesus' model prayer. When the disciples said, teach us how to pray, this is what he said. He said, say, our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Now, many of us would have learnt the Lord's Prayer at school. You know, it's, it's not welcome in our schools anymore, but, you know, it, it's the model prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, you are God, we love you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us what we need today is what it's saying. And forgive us our debts as we forgive others. Forgive us, Lord, as we forgive others. And don't lead us into temptation. We'll find our own way there. 
But when we get there, deliver us from evil. Because it's his kingdom, it's his power and his glory. You know, we're, as, as, as ministers, as part of the congregation, actually you're all ministers, you should know that by now. You're all ministers. We minister to him first. So many of our churches have got that around the wrong way, haven't they? They minister to the congregation and you end up with a watered down gospel. But we've got to minister to him first. I heard a minister say through the week, and we, I, something I've said many times myself, we are not a board-run church because if I upset a board, they can't remove me. We are not a board-run church because we serve the Lord. We serve the Lord and Him alone. Now, January is a time of new beginnings and an appropriate response is one of celebration because it's new, it's a new year. It should be a celebration and praise for life with all of its opportunities. Who believes there's opportunities this year? Who believes that this year for the church is gonna be better than last year? Because you are the church, right? Who believes that for the world it's gonna get a lot worse? Amen. Do you remember, I think it was two or three weeks ago now I said, New Zealand is a goat nation and they need change and we need to pray for that. Well, hallelujah, they got change on Thursday. But guess what? Their change that they got is worse than what they had, believe it or not. That country needs to turn back to the Lord. In October, they're gone. <laughs> you know, Australia's not much better. I'm not gonna be political today, but when we pray for stuff, we got to expect that it's going to happen. So the theme for January, which we're almost finished, is exactly that, celebrating the life that Christ makes possible. Can't we celebrate that? We have new life. Why do so many Christians look so sad all the time? We should be joyous. Gloria's only just been out of hospital for a week. Look at the smile on her face. She's celebrating life. Hallelujah. You know, Pastor Amanda got a, we, we got a notification, I can't remember what day it was, it must have been Wednesday, that the gentleman that used to own the big furniture shop in front of our florist when we had it was in, well, we thought he was dead to start with. That was the first notification we got. But then we found out he was actually in hospital. So the first thing Pastor Amanda did was go up there and lead him to salvation. He's only got a couple of days left. But he can be celebrating that short time that he's got left that Christ makes possible. So today we're going to talk about something that the church really needs to start understanding. Pastor, you know the words aren't on the screen? Yeah. Oh, hang on. Something that the church needs to start understanding. It's the secret of facing need. Who likes to face need? Who wants to know the secret to facing it? Well, it's pretty simple. You know, the Lord is our provider. But we'll dig into it a little bit more. Because as Pastor Cindy said yesterday, I choose to serve the Lord. I choose to let him be my provider. I choose, I choose, I choose. That's a prayer that we all should have. In fact, I got home yesterday morning, Cindy, and a Facebook reminder popped up 
from a year ago that I put up there and it said, I choose to serve Christ. Hallelujah. I got excited. I showed Pastor Amanda. Let's pray for our offering before we go any further. There should be offering cards on, on all the chairs. So you've got five different ways to sow. It all goes to the kingdom. You can scan the little QR code there. It'll take you straight through to our website. You can do a bank transfer. You can do it online. At the resource desk, we have FPOS, so you can tap and go. It's the easy way to sow. Or you can use the offering boxes if you like. Yeah, we're a church that believes in, in giving. We gave away over 20% of the church's tithes and offerings last year into other ministries and to orphanages, which is what we should be doing. So let's pray. If you've got your seed there, hang on to it, and then we'll place it in. Praise the Lord for the joy of giving. Thank you, Lord. As the Lord Jesus Christ gave himself for us, we also give ourselves to you this morning, Lord. We bring to your altar our hearts and our possessions, Lord. Use them for your sake and for the salvation of souls. And it's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray this morning. Amen. Amen. So if you've got your seed there, you can, you can sow in the boxes on either side there if you like. Who's had a good week? Not many of us, <laughs> a few of us. Who's had a challenging week? Who feels as though the Lord is bringing a breakthrough soon? Amen. Amen. We feel as though we're in a holding pattern at the moment and something is going to happen. When Brother Sadu comes, you know, he's only coming here. He's not going to any other churches in Australia. He's only coming here. That's not normal. We believe that he is coming for a message for this church and for the church in Queensland and on the Gold Coast. I'm sure there's going to be rebuke, but I'm also sure that there's going to be instruction. What we need to do is be ready to follow that instruction. So church, start getting yourselves ready. Start keeping up. Start keeping up. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. The text we're going to concentrate on today is Philippians 4.19. If you've got your Bible with you, open it up. This may be a challenge that the Lord has sent us, that the screens aren't working, so you need to have your Bible. Who's been doing the Bible readings each day? Awesome. Awesome. So some of us are going to get through the Bible in a year. So Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Who's God? Your God. Who's going to supply everything? God. The Scriptures we're working through are Philippians 4, 4 through to 20. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Some of us need to start saying that. Let's say that together. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Even when times are tough, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, 
But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Some of us forget to say thank you when he actually blesses us and he answers our prayers. Verse 7, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Then from verse 8, it talks about meditating on these things. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are full of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. You know, even out of a bad situation or bad circumstance, I'm sure there's something positive there. I believe that a lot of the issues that we have in life are actually learning experiences. Some of us learn the lesson and some of us keep to get going around the mountain until we actually learn the lesson. Christianity is like going to school. Ooh. When you do a test at school, you pass and you go up to the next step. If you don't pass, you either stay there or you go back a little bit. When you go to the next step, there's another test, isn't there? That's Christianity right there. We've got to get off our salvation experience. Verse 9, the things which you learned and have received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. I am an absolute believer that if we just did what Jesus did, the world would be a much better place. But the Bible tells us that we will do greater things. Then it talks about Philippian generosity from verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Is anyone lacking opportunity to help someone else? Is anyone lacking opportunity to sow into their church, to sow into the kingdom? No one? Good. We have opportunity. We weren't like the Philippians. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. One of the great things about fasting on Sundays is I know how to be hungry and preach the word. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians, know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds in your account. Why do we pray for our offering every week? Because we're seeking the fruit that's in your account. We lay up our treasures in heaven. I have a message coming up in one of my midweek messages in the next couple of weeks will be about the crowns. Because we lay our treasures up in heaven, right? Indeed, I have all and abound. We're in verse 18. I am full, 
having received from Ephroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Verse 20. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Who do we thank for everything we have? God. Yes, we go to work and we earn money and we, we get to buy things, but we can thank God for the job. I know plenty of people that don't have jobs. We can thank God that we, we live in Australia when there's plenty of places I would not want to live at the moment. They tend to be the places he sends me to minister. Just to remind me, I believe. What a country we live in. Yet you watch it. On Thursday, Australia Day, this country will turn on itself. The division that's already started. We have... Pastor Amanda, I said I wasn't going to get political. Kmart will not even sell an Australian flag this year. Where do we think that comes from? This country is turning on itself from within. Get ready, church. Don't play into it. Stand on this. Stand on this word. Don't play into the division. Our current, current government is fueling it. I'm going to leave it at that for the moment. I'm sick of getting banned from Facebook and our message is getting taken down. When you are confronted with your special needs for yourself or for your family or your job or for the church, what do you do when you're confronted with need? Paul wrote his letter to the Philippians with some great needs himself, didn't he? I mean, this guy spent most of his time shipwrecked or in jail and was still preaching the word of God. As a servant of Christ, he was a prisoner in Rome. He acknowledged that he was afflicted and that he was under pressure. And he referred to his necessity, or he referred his necessity to their need. Paul had learned the secret of facing need. Have we learnt the secret of facing need? Do we understand what it's like? I watched a, a short documentary last night of a, of a Mennonite lady who had moved to Kenya and got married. And, you know, culturally probably wasn't that much different to what she was used to, except she was American and she had American dollars and she said, I remember that day when I spent my last dollar and I had nothing. Some of us know what that's like, right? Some of us have had nothing. But God. Paul had learned the secret to facing need. And this is a key to be celebrated in Christian living. Far too many of us, far too many of us put self and stuff and things before the Lord. I said it last week, and there's a few people that were here last week that aren't here this morning, that if, if we're in a position where it's more important to see our families grow up and, 
and, and not face hardship, guess what? We will probably take the mark of the beast when it comes. We need to think about this. Who comes first? Our children, our grandchildren, our families, our friends, or the Lord? They can take my head. I don't care. Today we're going to look at some of the specific ways to deal with our needs. I think there's seven or eight of them. First one is to be enthusiastic. When we have a need, we're not to hide it. We're not to deny it or disregard it. We are to rejoice in the Lord. Thank you, Lord. The word rejoice is an imperative and a command. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Go stop being sad, Christians. You're going to stop being sad, Chris. Smile. It's okay. The word rejoice is an imperative and a command. It's present tense and it's urging continual action. It's an attitude of life always. Not rejoice sometimes, rejoice always. And our focus is to be on the Lord, not our need. Say that again. Focus is to be on the Lord, not our need. You know why they call this a pulpit? Because you've got to pull it out of us. If you're not, if you're just going to sit and listen, you're not going to get it. We've got to get involved, church. Come on. I read a story of a pastor that was having one of those days. You know those days that you just shouldn't have? Shouldn't get out of bed sort of days. He cut his face while he was shaving. He burned his toast for breakfast. Some of us have had these days, right? Some of us call it Monday. And after he rushed out the door so he wouldn't be late for an appointment, which is what pastors normally do, we rush from one to another, he got a flat tyre on the highway. And then he got going again. He changed the tyre, all was good. And he got pulled over for speeding. It wasn't me, by the way. It's normally the cameras that get me. I wish they pulled us over these days, right? By this time, he was really upset and was sorry, was a sorry looking picture. And as he complained to the police officer that pulled him over about the kind of day he was having, the police officer said to him, I know what you mean. That used to happen to me before I was a Christian. Give you something to think about, right? How does your day look? Second thing is be gentle. When we have a need, we have to be gentle. Christians' enthusiasm is not without reason. The word moderation means a readiness to listen and to reason. It's the attitude of yielding our rights. You know, as Christians, we have liberty, but we don't actually have rights. We are slaves to God. We are bond servants. Bond servants means we've actually handed over our life. I think it was Nick a few weeks ago was telling us that the, the servants, after they'd served their time, they put their ear against the doorpost and it had a hole punched in it to show that they were a bond servant. They had chosen to be the servant. That's us.
It is the attitude of yielding our rights, which shows consideration and gentleness for others. I love it when I hear, it's my right to do something. Well, yeah, not really. We don't have rights. We have liberties. We have free will. The tendency of the world is to become hard and tough, isn't it, when there's a need? To demand our rights. This is not the Christian response. Demand our rights. You know, we're hearing how the hospitals are full at the moment with COVID patients. Let me tell you, rubbish. The wardies are on strike. The nurses are on strike. The cleaners are on strike. They're not full. They've got no staff because they're on strike, demanding their rights. I say get back to work or lose your job. We are to be gentle toward all people. And I know that's hard. Third thing is to be peaceful. The natural tendency of this time is to worry. People are worried about their jobs. They're worried about losing their houses. They're worried about where the next meal will come from. And they're valid worries, right? But that's what the world does. Every night, Australians take thousands of sleeping pills. I was one of them years ago. Worry is not the answer. Has anyone worried and actually got the result they're after? No? Worry is not the answer. We can either worry or we can pray. Which one does the flesh want you to do? Which one gets you the result? God's words, the word says that we are to worry about nothing, not even one thing. When we worry, we are actually sinning by showing lack of trust in God. So it's much better to pray, right? Let's not sin. Instead, we are instructed to commit our request to God in prayer and allow him to be the Lord in our lives. We do it so often. Myself and Pastor Amanda, Lord, we have a need. We can worry about it or we can pray. Lord, we have a need for our computers to start working properly. We can worry about it, throw our hands in the air and not have church. Or we can pray and continue on. Peace comes through prayer as an act of worship. I love seeing everyone worship this morning. Comes through supplication of our personal needs. We surrender them to the Lord. And for thankfulness, which is happening, or the things that are happening in our lives, the swan's back. He comes to visit us every now and then for the new people. We, we don't let him in because we might never get him out again. Peace beyond human understanding keeps guiding our inner life, doesn't it? We have to have peace. If we're going to believe this book, we have to have peace because that's faith that this is guiding our lives. This is the way we respond to need. Fourth thing is be positive. Who likes a negative Christian? Nobody. Who's a negative Christian? Who has been? About four of us or five of us are honest. We'll pray for the rest of you. We've got to be positive. We've got to think positively, not negatively. We've got to think spiritual thoughts. We've got to think high thoughts 
honest thoughts, just thoughts, thoughts that are worthy of respect, thoughts that are living by God's standards. We've got to think agreeable and living and loving and pure thoughts. The Bible tells us, don't we, if we, if we think the wrong thing, we're, we're sinning. We've got to carefully reflect on these thoughts and keep practising them. This is the way the God of peace will bless us. Fifth thing is be teachable. Who loves being teachable? Awesome. Literacy these days isn't being able to read and write. It's being able to unlearn what you think you know and learn something different. And I say think you know. That's being teachable. Some of the teaching we hear coming from other churches and other ministries, those people need to start learning what the Bible actually says. Which means we need to start reading it for ourselves, right? Don't take my word for anything I say today. Read the Bible yourself. Philippians 4.9 says, The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you doesn't say these things that I've said and heard, CS ones, these things that I've seen and heard, think about them and don't do anything with them. It says these things do. It's a bit nasty, Pastor Amanda. They just wanted to join the service. <laughs> the Lord has purpose for the need in your life. If you have a need at the moment, there's a purpose for that. There's a reason you have a need at the moment. Is there anyone here that has no needs? Awesome, I was going to ask for a loan if, uh, if there was anyone that had no needs. The Lord uses a need to develop us. Do we believe that? If we've got a need, he uses it to develop us. We have a need for these computers to be working properly. The developing part of that is someone within this congregation is called to actually do that. Not me. It's not my job to be one of the first people here and set everything up. This is your church, not mine. And praise the Lord for the people that do come early and help. And for Pastor Grace, who just sits there looking at me, praying for me, I'm sure, as I'm trying to get it all working. The Lord has a purpose for the need in your life and he wants to use it to develop you. Whatever happens to us is not as important as how we respond to it. The Lord is developing spiritual qualities in each and every one of us. Praise the Lord for that. Get ready, church. Get ready. In this chapter of Philippians, we discover several strong qualities, don't we? Gratefulness. Few more of us need to be grateful for what the Lord's done already. Joyfulness, we need to be happy. We need to be running and leaping and jumping for joy. We need to be content. That's a bit harder, isn't it? Because instead of being content, a lot of us are covetous. So-and-so's got that big church building, so we should have that too. 
No, we're content. When, when the Lord says, I've got a building for you, guess what? He'll show it to us and he'll pay for it. We need to be flexible. And we've got to have faith. What a quality that is to actually have faith. What quality is he developing in you? No qualities on that side. What quality is he developing in you guys? Patience. Hallelujah. He's working on me too. <laughs> You're saying patience with me, Pastor Randall. <laughs> Not just me. The Lord uses need to reprove us. Having need causes us to search our hearts and ask him, what's wrong, Lord? Too often... Can you just turn that air conditioner back on for me, please? Too often... We blame someone else. Why did I lose my job? Must have been my boss's fault. He's a so-and-so. You know, maybe you weren't such a great employee. Maybe you didn't do your job. Maybe you went on strike one too many times and the hospital couldn't afford to have you anymore. We've got to ask the Lord, what is wrong? Start searching our own hearts. The Lord uses a need to test us. Who loves being tested by the Lord? It hurts. It hurts. When we have a need and, and, and the funds for it just are not available, the Lord might just be testing us. I'd rather go to the bank of heaven than to Westpac. There's no interest up there. Whatever our need and whatever God's purposes, we are to thank him. We're to thank him. I start all my prayers with thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm about to bring you a list of needs that I have, but thank you. Sixth thing is we've got to be content. That's also a little bit difficult, right? Just being content with our lot what we've got, because we look at our neighbour and think, you know, we, we get these plastic chairs and they're a little bit hard and uncomfortable sometimes, but, but our neighbours down the road, we've been there and they've got nice, comfy, soft chairs. But we've got to be content with what we've got. Contentment is an attitude that none of us possess naturally. It's something we have to learn, isn't it? We have to learn to be content. Paul learned it. He'd not always known it, but he learned it. He was content with nothing. He was content with everything. He was content being hungry. He was content being full. Our natural inclination is not to learn to be content because it hurts. We always want something a little bit better. But what if we just said to the Lord, Lord, what do you want us to have? How do you want us to be content? Yeah, he'll actually answer us. And on that note, if you're praying for something, but you're not reading his word, don't expect an answer. If you want him to answer, you start reading his word and start praying his will, not yours. 
Our inclination is not to learn to be content. Instead, it is to complain about our circumstances or to covet what we don't have. I know some very, very wealthy people that complain about their circumstances, which I'm sure most people in this room today would be quite content with. I know some other people, but some of my family who aren't wealthy people, they just complain for the sake of it. We've got to stop that. If we're believers, my family aren't believers, it's just me. But if, if we're going to call ourselves believers, we've got to stop complaining. We've got to stop coveting what we don't have. Just be content. Contentment is realising that God has provided everything we need for our present happiness. Everything we need for our present happiness, he's already provided it. And that's different for each and every one of us. You walk into Peter's music shop, there's guitars everywhere. For some people like Peter, that's contentment. He's surrounded by the things that he loves. You see Peter on a Thursday night when we have worship practice. He's in his element. He's surrounded by the things that he loves. For me, it's noisy. I play a guitar, it hurts my fingers. My fingers don't move fast enough, so I miss every third chord. I covet to be like what Peter is when he plays guitar, but I'm content where I'm at. I'm content not being able to play the guitar that well, but being able to preach the word. Seventh thing is we're to be expectant. Who's expectant that the Lord is going to move in their life? Who's expecting he's going to do something today? Awesome. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We should be able to wake up saying that every morning. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Whether we're bouncing out of bed or we're waking up feeling a little bit unwell or in hospital or depressed, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's no greater verse in all the Bible, I believe. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How can you say that over and over again and not feel better and not believe it? We've got to start believing what the Bible says. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I could play the guitar as well as Peter if I put in the practice. But the Lord doesn't strengthen me to do that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Often we need to put in the work ourselves, don't we? When we have the right attitude, there is nothing we cannot do. This verse is positive. It says, I can. And you know what? If I can, you can. It's powerful. Do all things. It's personal. I can. You can. Nick can. Sue can. In the face of your need, you can be defeated or you can be expectant of the victory in Christ Jesus. Which one do you want to be? Do you want to be defeated or victorious? Because it's your choice. 
I'm talking to everyone online as well. Number eight. How many things did I say I had? Maybe there might be a couple more, I'm not sure. Number eight, be generous. It's not just financially, be generous. The Philippian church was a generous church. We are a generous church. And consequently, Paul's needs were met. You know, we paid for a Christmas party for 500 or 600, Pastor Amanda, children. 500 children in Uganda. Maybe it was Tanzania. Whenever we go to one, we always go to the other and I get mixed up. Just this year. You know, a third of that money was actually raised in our children's church. Our children were tithing. On top of that, we paid for school uniforms and books and bags for 100 children from that group to go to school this year. Hallelujah. We paid at the beginning of last year for a young couple that we know, who we also paid for them to get married, to do Bible college, and they've just graduated in the last couple of weeks. That's a generous church. We're not just handing out money everywhere. It's focused and it's for the kingdom. That young couple are now looking at buying a house and going into full-time ministry because this church was able to send them to Bible college in Cape Town. Who's been to Cape Town or South Africa? Cape Town is not a nice place. It's beautiful. Cape Town itself is beautiful. And you step about 500 metres into the townships and you are lucky to get out of there alive if you have this colour skin. But they're reaching these people. The Philippian church was generous and Paul's needs were met. And in the time of our need, we tend to be stingy, don't we? Everyone's just looking at me. In the time of our need, we tend to be stingy. I know, I've been there. But the key to qualifying for verse 19 is the attitude of generosity within us. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply all your needs, not just some of them, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Is he just going to supply some of your needs, the ones that he feels like supplying, or is he going to supply all of your needs? If we're in need, this means we should be giving. How do you think farmers would go if they didn't actually sow the seed? Do you think their wheat crop would come up or their apple trees would grow? We're growing Christians, therefore we need to plant Christian seeds. Number nine, I think there was nine, Pastor Amanda. Be fulfilled. Be fulfilled. All our need is supplied and satisfied. We should be fulfilled. Everything we need, here it is. God's treatment of the Philippians would correspond to their treatment of Paul. This is the divine principle of reciprocity. Does the apple farmer plant an orange seed expecting to get apples? Does the wheat farmer plant bananas expecting bananas or expecting wheat? 
What we sow, how we sow, is how we reap. This is the divine principle of reciprocity, of giving and receiving. As we finish up, actually, can we get the worship team up, please? As we finish up, what are your needs? What are your needs this morning? You don't have to answer that out loud. You can tell God about them. What are your needs? And how are you responding to them? Are you thanking the Lord? Are you praising Him? Or are you just complaining that you have needs? And we all have needs. Don't get me wrong. But what are you doing with them? You're doing something positive or something negative? We need to take our eyes off our bank statements. Do we even receive bank statements now? They get emailed to us, don't they? Sometimes they get emailed to us. We've got to take our eyes off them. We've got to stop looking at the newspaper and the news about stock markets crashed, crypto markets are crashed, boo-hoo. Just take our eyes off that and start looking to God. You know, too many of us are looking down at what's right in front of us and we're getting so upset about it. But the Bible tells us, look up and look forward. Start looking to where God's taking us. Start looking for His face, not His hand. We're going to stop being gimme, gimme, gimme Christians. Paul wrote in Philippians 4.19, My God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Let's say that together. And let, let's declare it together. My God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah, what a good God that we serve. Who's got big dreams? I know I do. Who's got a big enough faith for those dreams to come through? Because we serve a big God. We serve a big God and He wants to be blessing us. He wants to be using us. He wants to see His kingdom here on earth. Who wants that? Come on, church. Lord, we thank You. We thank You that we can gather. We thank You that we're here in Australia gathering, represented by, I'm guessing, probably 13 or 14 different nations this morning. This is kingdom. You know, we're not a Maori church or a Chinese church or a Filipino church or, or South African church. This is kingdom when we all gather together. So praise the Lord this morning. Let's have another song. Lord, Father, we love you. Is it working? Oh. <laughs> uh...